Stay with us following this week's Crosswalk for information on Pastor Clay's new book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. What I'm not okay with is this distinction between clergy and laity. Listen to me, there is not clergy and laity, there is the body. We are the body, all of us. There's a calling and a charge to all of us. Has someone ever given you a charge? That's kind of an old-fashioned term, but basically it means to assign responsibility to someone for something. So, have you ever been given a charge? Well, if you are a follower of Jesus, the answer to that question is yes. This really applies to everybody. Certainly it has its specific application to pastors and those called to those kind of roles, chaplains and evangelists and that kind of thing. But really, as I looked at the text, I thought, this, this is really a charge. There's really an expectation on all of us. Hello and welcome to this week's Crosswalk. Today is a special service here at Cross Culture Church as we set aside one of our members, Joe Thomas, for ordination into the chaplain ministry. When I, when I put on that uniform, got the badge, I got the gun, got everything else, that's not a symbol of power, it's not a symbol of authority. The real power is when you're on your knees and you're seeking the Lord. That is awesome power. An ordination service is a special time for the man being ordained, his family, and his church family. As part of the service today, Pastor Clay has a message, a charge to Joe and to the fellowship that is Cross Culture Church. It's a charge that really applies to every single one of us who profess to follow Jesus. Now here's Pastor Clay. Today, as I mentioned a few moments ago, uh, we're setting aside... Uh, Joe Thomas uh, for the chaplain ministry. Let me tell you a little bit of background how this happened. Joe currently serves as one of our elders here at Cross Culture uh, Church, and uh, Joe has been in uh, law enforcement for uh, many years, a number of years now, and um, uh, through a series of things, as as God was just working, God began to open some doors for Joe and and, uh, ministering to other police officers and, and the like and things like that. And uh, so he came to me probably, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago, maybe put, pushing two years. I don't know, I lose track of time, uh, Joe. But, but we, uh, we began meeting together uh, weekly and just uh, talking about, you know, this, what this call is on our lives and what it means and what does it look like and how do we prepare for that sort of thing. And, and through that process, I think God continued to open doors uh, for for uh, Joe, and uh, he currently uh, serves as a uh, detective with the Carborough Police Department, um, but he is also the chaplain for the Carborough uh, Police Department, and uh, that's a door God has opened for him, and he has uh, stepped through, uh, but uh, just the elders in meeting and discussing this, and just felt like that uh, as a church, we needed to uh, officially kind of uh, put our, our endorsement on, them. not that Joe needs it, but that but that uh, the community at large knows that his church believes in him. And this is, this is traditionally what a church has done for many years. They would set uh, men aside who feel God's <clears throat> calling into ministry. And we've watched Joe through this process grow in his relationship with the Lord and, and in ministry and that sort of thing. And so I've uh, come to this place where today we're uh, ordaining him as a chaplain in ministry and all that God has in store. And so part of that traditionally is, of course, for uh, the candidate, as they're referred to, uh, to share about their life, to share their testimony, how they came to know Christ and how they really came to this moment in their life. What's brought them to the point to where they, uh, they are 
publicly surrendering to this call on their life. So we've asked Joe uh, to do that. So Joe Thomas is going to come uh, for a few moments this morning and uh, just share about uh, his life and what's brought him to this moment. So make Joe feel welcome as he comes. For those who don't know me, I'm Joe Thomas. Um, uh, I got my wife over here, Samantha, and our three kids, Mackenzie, Logan, and Addison. And of course, my mother-in-law, uh, Linda, and uh, I guess I could say aunt, right? Yeah, and then my aunt over here as well. Um, basically, I, I just want to say that uh, being a chaplain is an awesome, awesome ministry uh, to uh, bring forward to law enforcement officers and their families, but also in the community that I work. Um, when I first started uh, being a chaplain for the department, it was uh, a little unusual um, being a person that arrests folks, but then I try to bring the message of Jesus to them as well. Uh, some people are okay with that. Others are not. Um, but uh, as time went on, I figured, you know what? Basically, in a sense, yeah, they're sinning, they're breaking the law, but I too am a sinner. Who am I not to share Jesus with them? And uh, it just it strongly convicted me. And as I continue on this walk, uh, I, just, I just feel the, the strong urge just to go ahead and, and share the message with them. And let them know that this is not the end of their life. This is not the end for them. But it can be merely the beginning. And uh, uh, just a little bit about me. Um, I remember when I was young, I had this favorite necklace I would wear. And it had a cross on it. I just thought, man, what a, what a beautiful necklace, you know. I, I love displaying the cross, but I never knew what the true meaning of it was. As I continued on, uh, we went to church maybe twice a year. Um, and sometimes I would go extra with my grandfather when he would go. Um, but then I went into the Marine Corps. And when I was in the Marine Corps, uh, I hurt my back uh, pretty badly and ended up in uh, sick bay on a ship uh, for about a week. And while I was there, I had no radio, no TV. I just basically just laid there. Um, and a, another Marine came down that I never saw before in my life. He came in. He said, hey, I just want to check on you, brother. He said, uh, do you mind if I, I share the good word with you? And I thought, well, got nothing else better to do. Sure. Come on. Have a seat. So uh, he sat down with me, and, and we started going through the Bible. And by the end of that week, I had given my, my life to, to Jesus. It was kind of a, a rocky road from that point on, and, uh, you know, the Lord never says it's going to be an easy road. Uh, we, we faced many trials and tribulations, amen? But uh, did the Marine Corps thing, got out, and uh, as it would happen, the Lord placed Samantha in my path, and uh, it's been an awesome journey ever since. Um, my wife has been with me. Through thick and thin, and she's a God-fearing woman herself. My mother-in-law, I've been able to talk to her plenty of times. Uh, she's been able to, to show me um, some awesome passages, and uh, she's been able to, to help teach me as well. Um, Pastor Clay has been instrumental in our lives. Um, Pastor Ralph Thompson, uh, same thing. Um, I mean, we've been with Pastor Clay for 15-plus years, roughly, and... Uh, I'm continuously and still learning uh, from him. Uh, he's an awesome mentor, awesome pastor. And uh, so, let's see. I wrote notes down just in case. I knew I was going to get to this point. Um, 
All I've got to say is, um, basically it's just a brief version. I love serving here. I love serving the Lord. Um, and that uh, song today, uh, there's no, when, when, I, when I put on that uniform, I got the badge, I got the gun, got everything else. That's not a symbol of power. It's not a symbol of authority. The real power is when you're on your knees and you're seeking the Lord. That is awesome power. And uh, I hope that the Lord continues to bless me, bless my family. And uh, I look forward to, to many more appointments that the Lord sets for me. And uh, I look forward to uh, uh, serving more in the, in the church here and serving my family. And uh, that's where I'm at. So I just want to thank you for this opportunity. And uh, I want to thank the Lord. Thank you. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you sharing a little bit with the folks. You know, we, sometimes we see people in the halls or maybe here and there, and we don't uh, know all their story or what's going on, and it's just been exciting to see how God has been growing uh, Joe and, and presenting opportunities for him and that sort of thing. And I suspect, Joe, uh, having a gun on your waist probably doesn't hurt your evangelism. You know, it's like, I don't know. No, no, that's not true. You can't, what does it I say all the time? You can't force anybody into the kingdom of God, not even at gunpoint. <laughs> we can only love them into the kingdom of God, so that's what it takes. Listen, normally, let me tell you how this works. If you've never been to uh, an ordination-type service, normally, uh, within the process of ordination service, and let's face it, across culture, we're, we're a little, we don't do things necessarily as formally as a lot of other places do. That's fine. Either way, it's okay. But normally, traditionally, in an ordination service, part of what you have, after a candidate shares uh, their testimony and how they've come to this moment in their life, uh, there, there are uh, two messages that are traditionally brought uh, in that. There is what's called the charge to the candidate. Uh, 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 the pastor or, or, or someone that the candidate selects will stand up and bring a message, direct it to Joe and what Joe needs to do and how Joe needs to act and what the expectations are and, uh, on Joe and that sort of thing in this case. And then there is also a charge to the congregation, to you, those who are gathered there, how you need to act, what you need to do, how you need to support uh, Joe, how you need to pray for Joe, those, those kind of things and what God's expectations are on you. So normally there, there are two different types of messages uh, but I'm not going to do that uh, today. Uh, you'll all be relieved uh, to, to uh, hear, I'm sure. I'm not going to do that today. Uh, and, and the reason is because the more... Uh, by the way, uh, kids, are y'all... Uh, guys, uh, girls, y'all ready, excited to go to camp? Yeah. All right, yeah. Y'all you ready? Y'all ready? I just thought I'd throw that out there because I, I like, it looked like I was losing you already. So I, I figured I'd throw that out there. Um, uh, so uh, the reason I'm not doing that today, two different messages, because the more I looked at this, this text that I really wanted to speak to Joe about, the more I looked at this text, the more I became convinced that, you know what, this, this is true for everybody. This, this really applies to everybody. Certainly it has its, and we'll see this in the context, certainly it has its specific application to uh, pastors and those called to those kind of roles, chaplains and evangelists and that kind of, certainly it has some specific application for those. But really, as I looked at the text, I thought this, this is really what applies to everybody. There's really a charge. There's really an expectation on, on all of us. One of the, one of my pet peeves to some degree is that for too long, there has been this uh, this distinction, this this separation, if you will, uh, between the the clergy, 
this is the term that's used, the clergy, pastors and, and chaplains and evangelists and, th- and that sort of stuff. It's like the clergy and the laity. That's the kind of the old word that's used. Uh, uh, the, uh, the, the not clergy people, the, the common, normal, normal people in the pews. Right? Okay? Well, first off, I- I'm not sure that normal is a word that should be applied to a- any of us. Uh, really. And, and if you think about it, if you happen to be here, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, you just might as well face the fact that most of the people around you think that if you believe that God became a man, lived on earth, walked among people, lived a sinless life, went to a cross, physically died, physically came back to life three days later, went to heaven, coming back again someday though, so that you can be with him forever, they don't think you're normal. Okay? I saw a bumper sticker years ago. I saw a bumper sticker. It just, it just said, why be normal? <laughs> That's all it said. Why be normal? Can I tell you something? I'm okay with that. I, I'm okay in that sense of, of not being considered normal by many of the, the world's standards. The Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He said, for the word of the cross is foolishness. Say that word, foolishness. Foolishness. The word of the cross, the, the message of the cross, the, the gospel. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. In other words, those who, who have not identified with the cross, who do not uh, believe in the sacrifice of Christ. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So, so I'm okay with being thought of as, as not normal. I, I'm okay with being thought of, even from the world's perspective, as, as a fool for chasing after this whole Jesus thing and, and giving my life in service to this Jesus thing and giving my money in service to this Jesus thing. And giving, I, I, I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is this distinction between, you know, clergy and laity. Listen to me. There is not, there is not clergy and laity. There is the body. We are the body, all of us. Again, yes, are there different roles and callings and stuff within that? Yes, but there's a calling and a charge to all of us. Open your Bibles, we've brought a copy uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, going to be reading this morning verses 1 through 5. And talking about really the charge, yes, but for Joe, and he needs to hear this today, but really it's a charge to all of us, all of us. So are you listening today? You listening? Those of you who are be watching this uh, broadcast or listening to it later this week, are you listening? I don't know. Second Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. I, as the Apostle Paul, he's writing to... Uh, what you might call his young protege in the faith, Timothy. He has been instrumental in, in, in Timothy coming to faith and growing up and, in that and now his calling as a, as a pastor. And uh, uh, Paul is very near the end of his life. This is, the, as far as we know, the last letter uh, Paul ever wrote. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, And by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, 
they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. What I want to hear. And they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the truth of your word today. And I ask as we just take a few moments to walk through this text and break it down and look at it and apply it. Uh, to Joe's life as, uh, as a chaplain in the areas where you have him now, and to all of our lives, uh, may, may our hearts and minds just be receptive to the truth that you would say, and may our lives be changed. There is so much potential, so much potential in this room um, to, to honestly, to truly change the world. I, I really believe that. There's potential in this room to change the world. May we uh, take your word to heart today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, uh, just a few ideas to share with you this morning uh, from 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to start with this. Uh, there is a sobering expectation, Joe, and y'all. Can I call y'all y'all? We are friends. There is a sobering expectation. Now, look what, look what he says. Now, let's break it down again. Verse 1 and the first part of verse 2. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom. That's a pretty serious way to... To start that in it. Preach the word. It's not enough. No, it's not enough for Paul to charge us, right? He has to solemnly charge us. And look who he calls as witnesses to this charge. You you understand who he's calling as witnesses to this charge, right? In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his kingdom, by, by his appearing and his kingdom... (laughs) This is serious, to be sure. This is nothing to be trifled with or or taken lightly or anything else. This is a solemn charge. And what is the solemn charge? Say it. Preach the word. Preach the word. Now, certainly, as I said, within the context of this letter, Paul's writing to Timothy. Timothy's a young pastor. Certainly he, within this context, he is specifically saying to Timothy, Timothy, be faithful to deliver the word of God to the people God has entrusted to you. Timothy, give them the word of God because nothing else in the end really matters. It's about the word. You've got to give him the word. Certainly this uh, in the context applies to that. But the truth is it would apply to all of us. Preach. Uh, Keruso uh, in the Greek. Uh, uh, present imperative verb, by the way, so it's a command, but it's, it's keruso, to proclaim, and that's a calling on all of our lives, to proclaim the word. I, uh, I don't know if I ever told you about this, but a, a number of years ago, I was uh, pastoring another church, and a gentleman came into my office one day, an, el- an elderly gentleman, and uh, uh, came in, you know, he didn't have an appointment, unannounced, he just came in, okay, whatever, uh, and uh, uh, proceeded to uh, inform me uh, that, uh, that uh, my sermons were, were too long, they were too involved, they were, they were too uh, whatever, and that, uh, that he had talked to another pastor who had uh, told him that any preacher that couldn't say what needed to be said in 10 minutes, uh, they just needed to sit down and, and shut up. <laughs> That's what he said. That's what he said. I won't say what I said, but no, I, 
I was, I was very Jesus-like, I'm, sh- I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure I was <laughs> through the, whole, through the whole, whole thing. But listen, I, I was thinking about that when I was thinking about, you know, this charge to Joe and how that works as a chaplain and he's a detective and within the confines of the police department, those limitations and all that kind of stuff. And I was thinking about that and I was thinking, and I got thinking, you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe some people, some of you out there feel that way about the length of my sermons or the content of my sermons. So I, I, I don't know, but, but this is what I know. And I know it's going to sound arrogant and I don't mean for it to, but it just is going to sound arrogant. Um, but the truth is I answer to a higher call than you. Or that guy that came in my office that day, or even that preacher, if he really did talk to one. I solemnly charge you, in the presence of God, proclaim, communicate the word. I, I, usually in counseling sessions, I tell people, Joe, I, I tell people, I just go ahead and get it out of the way. I don't I haven't always, but most times when somebody comes to me for counseling, whether it's couples, whether it's individual or, or whatever else, I usually in some way just kind of try and tell them up front, listen. I don't have any special uh, counseling techniques for you. I don't have any uh, yoga positions for you to try or anything. I, 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 I got the word of God. That, that's, that's all I got. That's, so it, it, if, you're looking, if you're looking for something else, you better knock on somebody else's door because I, I got nothing. I, it's true. I got, I got nothing. And somebody says, well, I, you know, I was looking for something. I, I got nothing. I just got the word of God. That's all I, all, because I, I just really believe that that's what, happens and affects people's lives. Uh, Joe, this calling on your life includes this solemn charge to preach the word, communicate the word. It's finding ways to do that uh, every day in all of our lives. Uh, you, you may, in your experiences in counseling with, with police officers or people that you've arrested or whatever the case may be, uh, you may tell them stories that, that from your background, experiences that you've had. You may come across a good book on marriage that you want to share with them. You, you may hear about a certain conference. That all those things can be good and, and it can be helpful. And I'm not saying that they're necessarily wrong. I'm just saying that you will never, Joe or any of us, you'll never give anybody anything better or more beneficial than the Word of God to people's lives. Here's the second uh, idea con- connected uh, to that. There has to be diligent preparation. And this is the one that uh, most people hate, quite honestly. <laughs> diligent preparation. Look what it says uh, in the first part of verse uh, 2. It says, preach the word. We said that preach the word, be ready. What does it say? In season and out of season. Well, what does that mean? In the fall and in the summer? <laughs> you know, in the wintertime, nobody comes anyway, so... No, to, to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. The idea is, is that sometimes you have the opportunity to share with someone, whether you're talking about, you know, up here in a formal setting or whether just sitting across the table from somebody, having a cup of coffee with somebody, whatever, that sometimes uh, some opportunities are in season, meaning it, it's just easy. It just happens. It naturally flows. It's well received. Uh, it, it's a safe environment. to do. It, it's just, it's in season. It's the right kind of, you know what I'm saying? It just clicks and all falls together and, and it's like, wow, that was really a God thing and you could see that and, and it's, it's like in season. But some opportunities are out of season, meaning that maybe it's, it's not the most opportune time. Maybe, it, maybe it's not well received uh, when you try and communicate truth to somebody. Uh, maybe it's not the safest environment uh, to do it. But the point is that I have to be ready for that and that requires diligent preparation on my part. I can't, this is, this is deep. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? You better write this down. I can't share what I don't know. Isn't that deep? 
You're going to have to swim out of that one. I can't share what I don't know. So there has to be, and if this calling, yes, there's specific callings on this and that, but if all of us are called to proclaim, to, to uh, announce the, the truth of Jesus Christ, the living word, and his written word, the Bible, if we're called to do that, then there has to be some preparation on, on our parts in order to do that. Some seasons, it's good, it's easy. Some are not good. Now, as a matter of fact, I would say, and I, it would take me a while to sit here and think of some, all of them, but I would say that many of the best ministry opportunities that I have had have been in what you would call out-of-season moments. I think I told y'all, uh, some of y'all one time about the, uh, when I was, in, uh, when I was uh, in student ministry and uh, our church, we had a 15-passenger van and I had to go in Tennessee where we lived. I had to have a special license for that. I don't think you have to down here, but you had to have a special uh, endorsement. That's the word. A special endorsement on your license. So I had to go. We were getting ready to go to camp or somewhere, and I had to get this endorsement. So I go down there, the driver's license office, and uh, have I told you all this story before? I don't know. Anyway, uh, we'll get down there, and uh, I know you're all going to find this hard to believe, but the, the people at the DMV were not in a good mood. I, I know it's hard to believe, but they were. <laughs> they were not in a good mood. There was, a, and, and but particularly between, there were two ladies officers that worked in there. And let's see, how should I put this? I mean, it's, it's a fight. It's, it's on. It was going on. Y'all know, y'all know what I'm saying? Y'all bit? Yeah, it's, it's, so it's happening. And um, so sure enough, when, it, when my number, calling 867 after six hours or something, um, so when I, get, when I get called to go do my driver's test, sure enough, I get one of those ladies. One of the ladies. I, don't, I hope that ladies, I don't mean that sounds sexist or anything. Does that sound, I just, it's just, anyway. So, so I go out and I go driving with this lady. And, and she is just like, you can just tell. It's just like the top of her head is about to just come off. She's about to explode. She's just steaming. She's so mad. She's so, so angry, right? And I don't want to mess up. I don't want to do anything wrong. I got to get this endorsement. So, you know, hands are on 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock position. And I'm, you know, monitoring my speed. And I'm looking in all the mirrors and, you know, all this stuff. And making all the right turns. And she, she's not saying a word except other than tell me what to. Turn right up here. Take a left over here. Park over here. You know, whatever it is she's telling me to do. That's the only thing coming out of her mouth at all. And uh, so we come back into the driver's license office. Pull in. Park, you know, put it in park. Sitting there, hands still in 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock position. And uh, it's just real silent. And then finally she says, I'm sorry you had to hear all of that. But, <laughs> and she just loses it. I mean, she just loses it, folks. She starts bawling, just bawling, crying. It's all this stuff. And in the midst of her gasping and crying and, and everything I get, I'm, I'm hearing about uh, her teenage daughter that's threatening to run away and her husband has, has left them and she's trying to hold this family together and this girl at work was doing this and... <laughs> right? Now, here's, here's the thing. You can either, you can either say, hope it, hope it goes well for you and get, and get out as fast as you can or you can try and minister in the name of Jesus Christ to somebody that needs to be ministered to in that moment. That is really an out-of-season moment. 
But if I've taken in enough of the word of God that I can speak into heart and life and, and, and say, Sally, I'm so sorry this is going on in your life. And, and I just want to pray with you and believe that, that, that your husband loves you and that this thing can work out. And to be able to walk her through what a relationship with Jesus Christ is and be able to say to her, uh, Jesus himself said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not the peace as the world gives do I give unto you. My peace I give unto you. To be able to, to give to her what God has given to me. To be ready. To be prepared. Diligently prepared. Now, let me move on. I've got to move on. Uh, here's, here's, here's what I get a lot of times. Maybe some of you have been guilty, and I'm not calling out any names, but I've just heard from time to time, I've heard people say uh, that they were caught, that some moment appeared, and there it was, and they could do something, they could minister, they could do whatever, and this is what I've heard. I, 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 I just didn't know what to say, so I, I, I just didn't end up saying anything. You ready? There's a cure for that. It's called study. Open the Word of God and study. Ask God to teach you. Ask him to, to fill you with his knowledge. For yourself, sure, absolutely, you need it. But so that you might be available and ready the next time somebody, some DMV operator falls apart on you. Or some grocery store clerk. Some young lady who's, who's just given her virginity away to some guy that said he loved her. And now he's not even responding to her texts. And she's wondering whether life is even worth living. Well, I, I hope it goes well for you. No, that's not, that's not us. That's not us, Joe. Diligent preparations. Third idea uh, this morning. Uh, there needs to be loving confrontation. This is part of the calling, folks. This is part of the calling. Now look at it. Look what he says in verse 2. Preach the word. Be ready. In season and out of season. Now watch this. Reprove rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. The reason I go ahead, as Paul does here, the reason I include this into this whole whole idea about confrontation is because I'm not necessarily referring to confrontation between you and a person, but that will happen, right? If if somebody doesn't want to hear what you have to say, it it can get confrontational. Don't want it to, but it, it does. But what I'm referring more to is the confrontation that needs to take place between the, the power of God and the Word of God and the Spirit of God and whatever is going on in their life, whatever the need is in their life. That's what needs to be confronted. So sometimes it may require uh, reproving. Sometimes it may require rebuking. Sometimes it may require exhorting. What is the need in that person's life and how can God use me to minister to that need in their life? It's interesting, you know, in here that uh, Paul uses both reprove and rebuke. You know, he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so God is guiding him in this. But it's interesting that he uses both reprove and rebuke because if you think about it, there's not a lot of difference between those Two words. I mean, there, there's really not. I looked them up, and according to Merriam-Webster, uh, reprove is to scold or or correct, usually gently or with kindly intent. Rebuke is to criticize sharply. So, other than maybe in the manner in which it is delivered, they pretty much mean the same. And exhort. I don't even think that needs defining uh, to exhort someone to encourage someone. Uh, to, to lift them up, but most people don't mind that. Most people are all into to being uh, exhorted or, or encouraged. So I don't know, maybe the fact that he says reprove, rebuke, and exhort, maybe that's just God's way of saying that, that we need a knot jerked in us twice as much as we need to be encouraged. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But this is, but this is what I know, is that uh, sometimes reproving, sometimes uh, rebuking, sometimes exhorting, listen to me, every time 
loving. Every time with love. Loving confrontation. To say to somebody, man, I, 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 don't, I know you probably don't want to hear this, but I love you. I've got to say this to you. You're, you're messing up, dude. You, you think you're going to find somebody better than your wife? Oh, sure, she's not perfect, but who is? And you think you're going to find something better? Whatever the case is, to, to, to do what is necessary when the case is called for. To reprove, to rebuke, to exhort. Now listen, I should point this out. This admonition, this charge, is aimed primarily at the church. When he tells Timothy, he says, reprove, rebuke, he's, he's saying that's what you need to do. He's referring primarily to the church. Because, y'all know this, and I've said this for years, uh, Lost people, people without a relationship with Jesus Christ. Lost people act the way they do because they are, say it, they're lost. They have a sin nature that, that compels them to move in the direction away from what God wants for them. And so it's very natural to, to act in a sinful uh, manner. Now, it doesn't excuse their, their actions because God's already declared this is right and this is wrong or whatever else. And, and unless they come to Christ, they will stand in judgment before him and, and all that sort of thing. But at least it's understandable. But the person who says, yes, I've committed my life to Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm following him. I'm going in his direction. That person supposedly has a new nature in them, empowered by the, the Spirit of God that enables them to overcome the old nature right? And live in a way that's going to honor and glorify God. So the, so the person, Joe, that, that comes to you, so the, the officer that comes to you and, and has been married for seven years, and, uh, but, they're, but they're, they, uh, in a moment of honesty, they share with you that they're struggling with lust. And they, they profess to know Jesus Christ as Savior, but they're struggling with lust. That can happen. You, you're able, they, they may need rebuking. That may be, that's just my point, maybe rebuking. Or the wife that, that is struggling with the idea of, of submitting to her husband, placing herself under, under her husband's uh, uh, authority because he'll win or somebody's told her he, she shouldn't have to do that or, or whatever else. She, she, she may need to be just gently spoken to and shared about the truth of God's word. Or, or some, on and on. You can think of so many examples. But love is always the motivation for the confrontation that needs to go on. In our life, it's easy. It's easy to just say nothing and go on, but it's not better. That's our calling. All right, and uh, what, let's see. What, one more idea this morning: uh, there must be unwavering dedication, Jeff. There must be an unwavering dedication to this this charge, this calling that is upon our life. Verse. Three says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. They'll turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But here it is. But you be sober, be, be alert, be conscious, be, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. I, a few years ago, I was invited to uh, speak at a chapel service at Southeastern Seminary in, in Wake Forest. And I, and I preached from the, this, this particular text right here in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I said back then, and I, you know, it's just, it's just the way I feel. Uh, I said right then that there were, there were many churches that needed to take crosses down off their steeples and they ne- just needed to put a gigantic Q-tip up there because many churches had turned away from preaching the truth of God's word and, just, and were preaching whatever would just tickle the people's ears. Whatever they wanted to hear. 
And that's, that is so easy for us to compromise, uh, not just as preachers, not just as church, but just as individual part of the body to just compromise when somebody shares something in their life with you. But that, that's, that's not what we're calling. And you have to, you have to you stay the course. Look what he says. Endure hardship. And Joe, there will be hardship. There will be hardship. There will be times when you will feel like the only person that believes you can do this and are called to do this is your wife, your kids, and your dog, if you got one. But it's not true. God believes you can do this. We believe you can do this. And you have to endure the hardship. You have to say, no, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to do this until God tells me something else. Do the work of an evangelist. It implies that evangelism requires work. And it does. It's hard work. Trying to communicate the gospel in an anti-gospel culture is not easy. But all of us have to roll up our sleeves and say, this is the calling upon our lives. We have to do the work. of I've heard, well, I'm not an evangelist. Well, I'm sorry, but you have been given the job description to do the work of an evangelist. And then, and then last, um, he says, uh, fulfill your ministry. I can think of fewer things, fewer tragedies than to come to the end of my days and to think that I had not fulfilled the purposes for which God had called me here. And listen, by the way, that doesn't mean that, that, uh, that a person has to be a, a paid professional to fulfill their ministry. Joe doesn't get paid a dime, by the way, to be a chaplain for the Carborough Police Department. He makes his living as a detective for the Carborough Police Department. He fulfills his ministry by being a chaplain the Carborough Police Department. And that's the point. It's fulfilling our ministry, fulfilling your ministry. When I was graduating with one of my degrees from Southeastern, uh, at, at the rehearsal, graduation rehearsal, Dr. Aiken, who was then and is still now the president, uh, said to us who were in that room, he, he, said, uh, he said, look around you. He says, uh, uh, 50% of you won't even be in ministry 10 years from now. Uh, fulfill your ministry, Joe. It doesn't mean that ministry sometimes doesn't change or take on new forms or new places or whatever else. But fulfill the ministry to which you are called, to which all of us are called. I said earlier that when the Apostle Paul, uh, at the end, shortly after the, the finishing of this letter, he was beheaded. But before he was beheaded for his faith in Jesus Christ, but before he was, he penned these words. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. All of us are charged. Let's fulfill our ministry. Father, I thank you for uh, the truth of your word and the special uh, event that today is in recognition of uh, Joe's calling as a chaplain with the Carborough Police Department and in other places. I, I know he's been involved with emergency chaplains as well and, and whatever doors and opportunities, hospitals, uh, first responders, victims, people have been arrested, uh, his own family, uh, friends, neighbors, there is a calling upon his life 
uh, to minister uh, to them. In, in that sense, we're all uh, chaplains. We're all ministering in the name of Jesus Christ, trying to bring comfort, trying to bring truth into their lives. And so I pray that we as a body would uh, take to heart uh, the truth of your word that we've looked at today, uh, that, uh, that children who might be in this room, that the students who are getting ready to go off to camp, uh, that, that, that they'd be focused on the fact that, yeah, they're going to have a lot of fun. There's lots of stuff to do, Ivy and Allie and all the team. I'm sure they put some great stuff together, but that they would realize that, that, that the greatest purpose of this camp is to expand their, their relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, to make it more real, more intimate, more personal, more powerful. For those of us who uh, maybe our camp days are behind us, but we can still continue to fulfill our ministry. Help us to be willing to say, God, what do you have for me? I want to report for duty. I'm here. What do you have for me today? Whether I'm at work or at home or whatever the case may be. God, may I uh, be willing to fulfill that ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, <clears throat> this calling to ministry is one that, uh, that a church should embrace and say, yeah, we're so grateful that, that this person is stepping out and saying, I- I'm willing to take on this, this role in, in public and, in, and do that sort of thing. Um, in a moment, we're going to have Joe, I'm going to put this stool down here, we're going to have Joe come and, and sit down right here. And Ivy will probably maybe play a little something at that, that point. And, uh, and Samantha, I'm going to ask you to come and, and just sit right there in that front row at that time, if you will. Uh, and I want to ask, invite, you know, if there's ladies here, some of y'all just want to come and get, just gather around Samantha and pray for her as a, as a wife who, who probably doesn't get her, her husband home uh, at times when she would like to because maybe he stayed late to meet with somebody about this or somebody struggling with that. or It's just part of the calling sometimes as a chaplain. Joe's going to sit right here and... Anybody that, that just feels compelled to come and just just uh, pray a word or speak a word to Joe can take just a moment to do that. We're not going to line up or stuff like a lot of places do. Just come and place hands uh, on him. And, and uh, Nate Jones, one of our elders, is going to uh, lead that prayer. And we'll have a little bit of a season and then I'll close that prayer. Uh, but before we do that, I'm going to ask Nate to come uh, and read the letter that, uh, that we as the elder uh, fellowship team at Cross Culture presented, uh, are presenting to Uh, Joe and this call on his life. So if you'll read that, Nate. Having observed his public ministry to the people of Cross Culture Church and having observed his personal conduct as a follower of Jesus Christ and having had the opportunity to examine both his theological convictions and practical application of said convictions, it is the unanimous opinion of the elders representing Cross Culture Church that Joe Thomas meets the requirements set forth in Scripture, specifically 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1 for the office of pastor. Furthermore, it is unanimous, it is the unanimous opinion of the elders representing Cross Culture Church that Joe Thomas shows every sign of having the call of God upon his life to the gospel ministry. Therefore, it is the unanimous recommendation of the elders that today And this was signed May 20th, 2015. And again today, Cross Culture Church ordains Joe Thomas to the gospel ministry without reservation and with full support of his call. All of us are called to minister in the name of Jesus. To be sure... 
God calls certain men out as pastors and evangelists and chaplains, but all believers have a role, a calling in the work of the kingdom. All of us have been given a charge to proclaim the Word of God. As Pastor Clay explained, it is an expectation that God has on all of us. Of course, there has to be preparation in order to be ready at all times to share God's truth. There will be confrontation, but as Pastor Clay said, love should always be our motivation. It's not easy to be a follower of Jesus in the culture in which we live. We have to be dedicated to the charge we've been given and faithful to Him until the end. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable to every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. Cross-Culture Church. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're searching for. Cross-Culture Church. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to leave Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.